0: Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press 1.
1: Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. I'm opening. We have an eye, part of a nostril,
0: two teeth. One of the teeth has a small cavity. Close call, folks, but I think we got here just in time.
1: (laughs) Presented by Maria Menounos and Kevin Undergaro. This is Anatomy of a Movie. In-depth discussions and breakdowns of various movie titles. And now that you've seen the movie,
2: let the dissection begin. That's right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Anatomy of a Movie. Today we're doing Eddie the Eagle with the most cliched montage song (laughs) And the I history
0: of movies
1: song. It's amazing I love this song I do Usually
2: it's more in reference to a girl Not like working out
1: But it works for this type of film Music was my favorite part of this
2: movie Yeah, I agree We have Marissa Serafini Welcome Marissa Serafini Hello everyone That's right, graphic designer And uh, senior content producer Over at After Buzz TV And Popcorn Talk That's right And Sarah Stren Hello, hello Box office breakdown co-host mm-hmm. As well as actress, writer mm-hmm. Thespian, I call her. but <laughs> uh, And I'm your host, Phil Svitek, uh, CEO of AfterBuzz TV and Popcorn Talk. I'm oh, Phil you, you
0: are? Yeah. Insane.
2: So you thank you guys else? for joining us yet again. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're returning, welcome as well. Um, as I mentioned, we're talking Eddie the Eagle, released just a week ago, February 26th of 2016, uh, with a budget of 23000000 million. Let's start with overall impressions. Let's go to you, Marissa.
1: Well, you know me. I always love underdog stories. I love athletes. I love stories where the characters are just likable, and you always root for them. And I love feel-good movies, and it, I felt this film encompassed all of those things that I just said. So And it was, Hugh
2: Jackman. And
1: Hugh Jackman, of course. I mean, it's Hugh Jackman. So and there was a lot of different elements of this film that I thoroughly enjoyed, Um I was more upset at the end, actually just doing research, realizing how much of it was fabricated and told for the creative filmmaking aspect, but it still didn't take away the feeling I felt at the end of it, which was feel-good and fun.
2: Right on. Sarah?
1: So, my favorite thing, as I just
0: said, was the music in this. I loved the cheesy 80s pop, pump-it-up music. That was really fun. However, this movie didn't end up working that well for me. I think it's because I had really high hopes. I'm a huge, huge Jackman fan, and after watching Kingsman last year, I really liked Edgerton as well, so I was like, this is going to be great. Um was really excited, and for me it just... between... it was suiting for this like inspirational comedy... And while I thought that it kind of hit elements of both, and there were some funny parts, and there were some inspirational parts, it wasn't really strong in either category. Like, it wouldn't be a standout comedy movie for me, and it's not a standout inspirational movie for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of fell somewhere in the middle. I think also, I'm trying to think, maybe one of the most recent movies we talked about was Race. So going from race to talking about this, that is a big jump. Um, maybe that's why I didn't get Literally. as much of yeah. <laughs> so maybe why I didn't get as much of like the feelings of inspiration inside from this one because that movie was stronger in that department for me. Um, so I'm excited to talk about it, dive into it, see what you guys thought about all the details.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I, you know, I knew that it would be a little bit comical um, and things like that uh, because that's what. Uh, You know, at least the movie, right, at the end, that's what he was supposed to be to all these people. But um, but he was supposed to always tell that line of uh, him saying at the end, I take this sport very serious. So it's kind of both, but he never takes himself serious. I enjoyed it overall. I thought uh, it had a good length in terms of telling its story. uh, So, you know, whereas one of the problems that we talked about perhaps was uh, race could have been a little bit too long. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought they picked a good length and I, I really liked their dynamic. And the music was great, and uh, I liked, you know, while it was an ensemble cast, I thought everyone who was a part of it did their cast, uh, did their part really well, including Christopher Walken.
1: Yeah, for the for two minutes, minutes he was yeah. on screen. One
0: scene, two scenes.
2: But it, You know, it, it was great to see. So I enjoyed it overall. Um, does it hold up in terms of uh, sports movies in, in the top ten for me? No, not necessarily. Like It 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 is in its own different category, as you said. It's not a comedy. It's not necessarily an inspirational movie. But uh, nonetheless, I-, I enjoyed it. So, why don't we start with how it got made? Because this has been uh, in the works quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you guys kind of have various info, and then I added my own info on top of that. Uh, but why don't we start with you guys?
1: Um, yeah, what I found interesting is that... Because uh, we know this, the story of Eddie... Edwards Wait, did to,
0: you know the story of any though? I personally
1: didn't, but did for you? those who tuned in. I did
2: not wa- I was I was born a, in nineteen eighty eight, therefore I did not watch the Olympics okay. in nineteen ninety. I mean I, I
1: was
0: not I don't think both of us weren't around. No one Sarah. at this table was alive for <laughs> you, you
2: guys are younger than me, so yes, yes you guys but sure. i had never
1: heard of this person. I, I didn't hear about mm-hmm. it. But having watched the movie and doing the research afterwards, we find out that, you know, it takes place in 88. But the story, it, it's it been in the works for a long time. And back in 1999, they were trying to even get this story started and made. And even Eddie the Eagle, the Edwards, the real guy, he he's sold his rights to his film because it was based off of his book, mm. um, which I, I found fascinating, too. Uh, the book... What's the name in my notes here? The Eagle. Eddie no. the Eagle. The, my Eddie story. The, yes, Eddie the Eagle. My story. So it's it's been around for a while, and but productions and whatnot, it just kept getting like pushed back and pushed back, and to the point where no one was even really talking about it.
0: I mean, it kind of makes sense just off the fact that I wonder if that was the motivation behind why they had to make up so many, like, fictionalized elements to make this story, I guess, work for what they were looking for. I mean, they've come out and said that um, Jackman's character is pretty much imaginary, at least that's what Eddie, the, Eddie Edwards said. And I think that goes into why this was in production so long. It's like, how did they craft this story to make it more of your comedic or, like,
1: formulaic film? Like, who, what characters did they need? How could they adjust that? Like, yeah, and I think it's also taking like such a short amount of time that happened, where he, where Eddie's fame blew up. It was such a small window of time that people would easily forget it, maybe two years later. Mm-hmm. So it's to take this small fraction of a moment and expand it to a film and what makes it interesting.
2: Yeah. And it, we'll, we'll definitely hit a, a little bit more of that in the story element. I mean, what I found interesting, so in 2007, um, an Irish director, uh, Declan Lowney, was supposed to take the rounds. Uh, comedian Steve Coogan was supposed to play uh, Eddie, um, to which uh, the real Eddie joked that perhaps Tom Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt would be a little bit more suited. <laughs> but it and was a joke. He was certain- after yeah.
0: Steve Coogan, we had Rupert... Grint, Grint was who also was also attached to maybe being in this? Which is a big deal. If we're going to go into the beginning, also more on the writing, one of the writers came out and said, It all started, this script really started in a bar in Thailand. Mm-hmm.
2: Which is taken out of context. When you first read on a piece of paper, you like, What? Like, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> exactly. Um, so explain.
0: Well, basically, they were just like, Oh, whatever happened to Eddie the Eagle if they made a movie about cool runnings they should make a movie about him so basically that producer tracked down eddie got the rights made the movie about his life um came back wrote the screenplay in 2002 uh and it's been a whole long saga to get it made
2: And you know, there's a lot of comparison to Cool Runnings because that was '88. Was also the the first year that Jamaica had a bobsled team, and Mm -hmm. then Cool Runnings became the movie Mm -hmm. that it was. And it's you know they even reference it within the movie. So um, it's a
1: parallel story going on at the exact same time.
2: (laughs) It'd be fun to watch it back to back one day.
1: We should do that, just side by side, two screens.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: (laughs)
0: But all in all, they did get, I think, a pretty strong cast. For the option of this movie, I, the names they used, I think um, Edgerton is, like, a big up-and-coming person. People refer his rise. They're like, oh, he could be, like, the male equivalent Jennifer Lawrence. Like, he really is building up Good. steam. Like, he's being cast in huge movies. His first, like, Major film debut, got a sequel, and was a a hit with Kingsman. He
2: could have been Scott Summers in X-Men Apocalypse, and he was cast, but he denied it. So he could have been exactly like Jennifer Lawrence, but chose Ah, not to be.
0: That's true. But he's on that track. So he's Hugh Hugh Jackman. Huge Huge following. I'm just surprised with Hugh Jackman that the budget was 23, because (laughs) I feel like Hugh doesn't do movies that are less than, like, 100. Um, But... So they had a strong foot forward in their at least in that part of their production. Yeah, I
1: enjoyed that too.
2: Well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, in terms of in terms of not being um, not being true to it, right? They, with race, um, we can kind of compare it in this way. Where race was literally also about race, and there was a lot of adversity mm-hmm. in that way. This, I feel like, whatever the struggle was, could have been a little bit more internalized. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's him dealing with it, and so how do you externalize that? Um, and also, I think. You know, this had kind of Eddie's blessing in the sense that he wanted to just inspire people. So if the goal is really to inspire people versus Mm -hmm. uh, tell them his true story, then then that accomplished its goal. I mean, as he says, uh, only about ten to fifteen percent of this is is uh, true to his Mm -hmm. life, but he doesn't seem. You know, he doesn't uh, upset seem upset
0: about it. that, and I know that they've come out and said that when he watched the movie, he loved it. Um, some say he was moved to tears. Like that reception is done really well, but it is a departure from when we talked about race. And Jesse Owens' family was there for like giving information from day one, approval of script, and this more seems like they were like Eddie Edwards, we should make a movie about that. Uh, redraft. Eddie, do you like it? Yeah. Like.
1: Yeah, yeah. but,
2: you know, there's a difference to, uh, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, especially when people write about someone's story, it's like, okay, well, they're the filmmakers, let me step off, I'm not going to step on their toes, I because, you know, he's not a filmmaker, he's mm-hmm. an he's he's Olympic athlete. <laughs> so. You
0: know, some people just try and insert themselves, though, like, talk about, like, Fifty Shades of Grey, she's like, I've never written a script before, the writer, and she's like, but I'm going to write all the screenplays, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: people, why not? People... Sometimes to their own fault and to into hurting the movie, they claim too much control if they have any attachment to the original story.
1: Yeah, and I think really the... I think for this film, what they really wanted to just overall convey at the end of it was that the message of what Eddie went through, mm-hmm. like his whole point of view and why he did it and despite everyone not liking mm-hmm. him what happened and the, the response at the end it wasn't about people making a f- mockery out of him mm-hmm. it was just his inspirational story of how he personally got there and why he was there and what he did to get there
0: yeah and not only did they want to be positive but for direction purposes they said that they really wanted this to be a positive movie something that was crafted in a way where there wasn't a lot of cursing or there was it was just about like a good person mm-hmm. and you didn't have to have people dying or anything horrific happening violence yeah for people to be um Although you inspired and you enjoy had, had it violence there was some violence there was some nudity you know but <laughs>
2: <laughs> indeed well um well marissa talk talk ab- uh, about the writing specifically so it's sean um
1: Sean McCallum and Simon Kelton, who actually back in September 2013, they put the script up on the blacklist, which was because they they really believed in it, and again, it wasn't being made because it's been pushed so many times in different and the, ways. And the
2: blacklist is it's for any it's for basically any script that's so good but will never be made in theory.
1: Well, it's, it's the how. blacklist is made per
0: year. And it's the best non-produced scripts of the year. But there's also a ranking system where each script on the blacklist does typically have a number of votes. So there's there is even there is a hierarchy within the blacklist. It's it's not um, there's a big jump where refusing like some scripts will have like fourteen votes, some will have one. You can see some discrepancy in the and quality, quality. Yeah. or or maybe the one with the one you're kind of like, I understand why that one wasn't
1: made type of issue. Yeah, so they put it up on the blacklist and a lot of people were actually responding to it and they even got the attention of Sony. Mm-hmm. And uh, an English producer, Rupert McConnick, also got involved because he read the script and he really enjoyed it as well. And just it got the ball rolling because even there people were you know, giving their feedback on the script and it just built the script and made it stronger after all these years. Which, uh, again, it was really great because it shows they've always wanted to do this. But, again, how long production is and pre-production, mm-hmm. even in just writing, scripts go through multiple drafts and this one s- certainly did.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I mean, ult- ultimately um, they split credit, too, between two. One gets story credit and then... Um, uh, Sean gets the screenplay credit.
1: Fully, yeah, so story by, I
2: believe.
0: What did you it's think about awesome. the story they created? Do you have anything things that you were really liked
1: the turns, liked the characters? Anything that got you unexpected? Um, I mean, I again, I personally didn't really know about this mm. particular story with Eddie, but uh, watching it for the first time and kind of having a preface of what the actual story was, I had some problems with some characters and some and i liked certain others characters better than some
2: i, I watched it, it was almost like i just enjoyed it because it was a movie like even mm-hmm. though cool runnings is also um, you know historic in that uh-huh. way um, i never viewed it as such it's just a fun movie and so the same kind of with this it's just a yeah. fun movie no different than um, kind of you know rocky is you know that's a good movie um, but it's honestly real yeah um, so that it, honestly that didn't in my enjoyment of it didn't factor it and um you know one of the things I wanted to kind of talk to you like it took on many of the tropes that sports movies do right we thought a coach and a mentor who
0: mm-hmm. was
2: completely fictitious just for that reason yep. um, a montage. you also
0: had a coach though was like very against being a coach for a long point in the movie instead of the normal where you see a coach being like, you can be better. Let mm-hmm. me craft you. And the athlete's like, I don't want to yeah, do but this. Yeah, that's D one,
2: the Mighty Ducks. Hmm? D one, the Mighty Ducks. Um, Gordon Bombay doesn't want to coach the, the Ducks. The reluctant you know? hero that, that in is a true. way.
0: Do you so, do you have that is that is a good example. See,
2: um, <laughs> but I
0: liked it. It's not still, even though you. I don't think that's the most common example or the most common stereotype you get of a coach relationship. And I want to
2: think of two more by the end of the podcast. Okay. Uh, To me,
0: it didn't feel that, like, it didn't feel like the stereotype. The
1: The drunkenness felt like a little bit of a stereotype. Yeah, the drunkenness, washed up, just person in general, Mm -hmm. was one of the things that really bothered me with character development. And I love Hugh Jackman. We'll get into that when we get to him. But yeah, that was one of my character problems. What
2: what, what didn't make it work? I I mean, just in that. I think it, it worked because they used it as it wasn't just a throwaway and of like oh he's just a drunk, but it was used in comparison to Eddie drinking the milk and then at the end mm-hmm. Eddie drinks his milk mm-hmm. um, and of course um, Hugh Jackman drinks his milk and he's like, ah. they have two different reactions. So it, 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 it you know they made a joke at the end of it which was the That's bow true. on top and made it work.
1: But was the joke big enough at the end? She like <laughs> okay, I laughed. I know. Right. Nope. For mm-hmm. me, one of the character choices that I did really like that they
0: included was um, his family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I thought the family dynamic was really interesting and funny. Like, I liked how his mom, like, was just like trudging the line of like, "I'm really supportive, but I'm not going to be like overly
1: supportive." Supportive.
0: <laughs> and then his dad, I liked how we, his dad, really stuck to his guns you had that moment when he pulled up in the van and he's like oh why dreams too it was to be this like you thought there might have been like this moment where he was like i wanted to be a fireman you go off and do your dream because i understand but it was like nope (laughs) you're wrong i thought it was really just an entertaining family to come back to and see their reactions throughout the entirety of the film
1: Yeah, I like the secondary characters, like the family, because it did show that Eddie had a good, in a way, a majority of a good, strong support system that would help push his character along to make it to the Olympics. It wasn't just Eddie himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also the purpose of why we had his coach, um, Perry, to to also push him along. It's like it's all the supportive people that would make the audience believe that Eddie couldn't make it to the Olympics not just on his own but with people
2: but what i liked is uh, you know he the the whole message was that he liked to prove people wrong just Mm -hmm. as much as he liked jumping and so i enjoyed that aspect of it because especially early on um you know you kind of know that he's eventually going to become good and so forth but it's like this guy's just crazy and why is he crazy? And I think and what was nice is that they answered that, uh, he Jackman's character in reading the Warren Sharp book really, you know, started to understand, okay, he's not good, but he's never gonna give up, which is what um his character was lacking. He mm-hmm. had too mm-hmm. much talent.
1: But didn't care enough.
2: Yeah. So I liked I, I liked the marriage of that and I thought I thought the elements played really yeah. well.
1: I thought that the
0: two like perpendicular storylines. Like, one person who had everything and failed in this level, like, they'd have a nice flip-flop to meet and be a happy pair.
1: (laughs) I did like the development just at the probably the first five, ten minutes of the movie. It really showed uh, the younger version of Eddie always just wanting to go to the Olympics. Like, this was something from the get-go that he mm-hmm. was so determined and made the audience believe he would eventually get there because it was just a lifelong goal. So, I like that. They didn't hit it over the head, but you know, we got it enough to the point where we're like, okay, this is a big thing
0: I really for him. Like, I really like that choice, too. Yeah. Like, the whole childhood, even the inclusion of him just being, like, a skier before being a jumper and,
2: like... Which was true. Like He does hold England's, like, uh, amateur speed racing record. Yeah, but it, so. I
0: liked I liked that they included that and like gave us time with that section of his life because it was like it felt it was a really short hmm, how to describe this because before he meets you have so much before he meets Hugh Jackman's character mm-hmm. so much of the movie already happens before yeah, that and, and relationship the relationship is established. I
2: agree. You know, and, and when the opening credits roll, his name is last, and obviously it's because it's Hugh Jackman. But it said and with Hugh Jackman or whatever. And then, as I didn't see Hugh Jackman, I was like, "Is Hugh Jackman in this movie for like three minutes? What's going on?" <laughs> Which would know. be really funny.
1: And if you <laughs> notice in the credits sequence, it took a while to get to Hugh Jackson's name because they went in order by appearance. It took on a long screen. time for us to get to him.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree. But it made it that much for me. It made it that much better. Um, Sarah, you noted this, but there was no love interest. And yeah. that could have been a you know since it's already so kind of made up um, why don't why do you guys think that they chose not to put in a love interest
0: I think that they really wanted to focus. my justification is that I think they really wanted to focus, and the love interest is supposed to be the sport it's mm-hmm. supposed to be the jumping um it's you know it's that whole uh, There's a lot of storylines where it's like, she's out of his league, and he's like, going for it and going for it, and everyone's telling him no, and then at the end you have the happy ending. It kind of felt like that to me, but with jumping. Like, everyone was like, you can't do that, you can't do that, and he's like, but I love it so much.
2: Especially Um, when they made a reference to, I mean, Hugh Jackman calling it ejaculation. Pretty
0: much. (laughs) Yeah, there was that whole section as well.
2: So you
0: full know, of innuendos you know it's <laughs> and,
2: almost better than sex,
0: ah, uh, so that was his love interest. I also think that f- I mean, it's a pretty focused movie. there's not a ton of characters, but the fact that you have Edgerton or um you have Eddie developing relationships throughout, I think that would have been a lot that could have been a lot to add because this is. Normally, when you see a love story, like it is like they're meeting. They're starting that relationship. You see the arc. But he had to do that already with... He had to meet everyone on the Olympic team. He had to meet everyone who was involved with the Olympics. He had to meet Hugh Jackman's character. He had to meet the woman who owned the bar. Like there's want to al- sleep with him. That <laughs> yeah. was a little weird. There's, that was weird. There's already so many like introductions happening. Like He's already out of his out of his home out of his element i don't think you it might have had to be adjusted if you also want to introduce a girl into that mix
1: right and also i think you know going back to your point saying that his love was the sport is also Again, if this was this is based on a real story, did was he even seeing someone? Did did he have a he significant? He had no money
2: to do anything. Well,
1: Was like, did he have a significant other at know. that point in his life? I don't think so. Definitely, according not. to the research. So I don't think if you added a woman to maybe add to a love story, I don't think it would have added anything to the to so the actual either. story of what happened. I think you could have given Hugh Jackman more of a love story. Maybe I'm sure.
2: God knows how that would have went.
0: You didn't see him and the bartender getting together?
2: Maybe they did. Maybe they cut out that storyline. Who knows? Um yeah, so I I actually agree with you, Sarah. So I think I think that's a good way to justify. And plus mm-hmm. for me, um whatever was left off in terms of romance, it worked for the bromance. Yeah. I and mean, that mm-hmm. needs to that that needed to be so strong and um and I thought it was. I agree. I thought it definitely was. Um now, speaking of uh, Edgerton, uh, one of the things I like about him is that he was born on the same day as me. November tenth. <laughs> so uh, that is the focus. Birthday Best actor alive.
0: <laughs> Birthday buddy. Are we, are we getting into acting? Well, I, think,
2: well I, I I think they're one and the same, mm-hmm. right? Especially especially when you talk about Eddie and you talk about uh you know, Hugh Jackman's character and kind of everyone like you're talking about mm-hmm. them, um, as well. And I thought um you know, some of the stuff, uh, just in terms of choices, Eddie did not end up jumping in the movie. I think you found that, Sarah.
0: Yeah, so Edgerton didn't do. Any jumps? He's interviewed and he's very like, nope, I'm not doing that. That's for crazy people, pretty much. Um, didn't do any jumps except not me. even the
2: 15 one. He didn't want to do the 15 didn't,
0: one. No, no jumping. That's that's what he said. I would have tried the um, 15. I
2: did like the one, you know. I spe- would not have
0: tried <laughs> the 15.
2: Speaking of that, in general, right, going uh-huh. to the story of that. I liked how they really portrayed it. Um, yes, obviously he needs he needed to build up, but mm-hmm. also just the fact of like the fifteen uh, meter is supposed to make you fall in love with it. It's supposed to get you hooked, mm-hmm. and then you go on to these things eventually, just to break your bones, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: eventually just to die. But um, yeah, also I think another part of that is even if you try the fifteen meter, like on set, you normally try and keep your actors from getting hurt. Because he yeah. delays filming, um, but they did do the most he ever did is they did sit at the top of jumps. He did have to go down one. I think he went about like either ten feet or ten meters down before a net caught him. Yeah. So he never actually went off the jump. He just got caught. But like when you see them like bouncing on um, the exercise balls or on like the straps, that that was real. He. Um, but no, no jumping, none.
2: Uh, I mean,
1: and that is, is such a dangerous sport that, I mean, Olympians do it. The highest athletes and the most, you know, mm-hmm. in-shape athletes do it, not actors.
2: I mean... Yeah. I mean, one yeah. of the things that I felt was slightly missing was... Um, and, and, again, you could perhaps chalk it up the fact that he just wanted to be an, an Olympian. That it didn't mm-hmm. matter the sport, didn't matter the danger, but why he fell in love with uh, jumping particularly. Because he saw one good jump and then, he, you know, then clearly they just throw in, like, uh, all these bad, um, mm-hmm. you know, falls and things like that. And so you understood those, but never registered um, for me as a viewer of, okay, despite that, um, I love this sport. To me, at that point in time, as I was watching it, it was more about, well, it's just an opportunity to be an Olympian.
0: I thought the same way. Yeah, that's I that's thought that, that was pretty much the message. Like, I want to be an Olympian. Um, as for Edgerton's performance, I, I, this was an iffy one for me. I liked him so much more in Kingsman. Um, in this, it wasn't that it was just hit and miss from scene to scene, where some scenes I felt like very invested, and some scenes I felt like I was putting on a character. And, like, the believability shifted for both him and a little bit for Hugh Jackman for me. Um, as I said before, Hugh Jackman reminded me of a friend of mine in this movie, so I think that could be part of it. But. Um,
2: That's a good looking friend.
0: <laughs> they had some of the same mannerisms, and I couldn't get it out of my head. It pulled me out of the film. Um, but yeah, the scenes were in and out of like sketch to comedy to drama.
1: And I was like, I. I, I this isn't computing as completely real. I guess see, in my mind I, I enjoyed Taron in this film because I we also, we talked about the mm-hmm. King's Men's film and I really enjoyed him in that film and he played such a hard, strong, headstrong guy mm-hmm. in that film and then to see him on the flip side be a sensitive person, people don't really like him, I really liked how he just embodied the character and he had you know different hair color and um, physically he even took on the role with the um, predominant underbite and he g- even Taron he said he really wanted to mimic that in a physical performance so like I completely believed him as this endearing yet awkwardly uh, awkward guy that you can just you know want to watch and have fun with hmm. um, so I, I think Taron did a great job of playing a an underdog character in a, the one of the most unlikely people that you would
2: root for This is going to not be PC at all, but what I didn't understand was uh, because they kind of made him clumsy, they kind of made him in that, and I never understood the level of like, is there something wrong with him or is there not? And that's the part that I didn't fully understand. That was
0: never addressed. And,
2: um, And again, you know, so it could have been the way he was. I don't know to equate it to. That's just the way he was playing him or not. Now Eddie says that. Uh, the real Eddie says that Taron got it completely correct, um, and so he was he was blown away by the performance. But that's the part that I I just didn't get, unfortunately.
1: I think maybe some some people are just socially awkward in that way, and they grow up in just like the personalities they come off as a shy, awkward kind of being. But you can tell that he, he who's always. I don't want to say catered, but like he always had a motherly figure, a parental figures that would always still give him unconditional love, despite what kind of person he was in real life. So I, I think that translated well to the screen. That even though he was, you know, slightly weird here and there, but like you still enjoyed him.
2: But that's what I'm saying. But to me, there still is a difference between socially awkward versus physically uh, awkward. You know, and that's why I didn't. That's where it became slightly because early on they've made him like, he, you know, uh, the whole ski team when he lands in them, they all fall down. He's like, sorry, my fault. Um, when he trips into the net. <laughs> yeah, he trips into the net. And so you're wondering, well, how is this guy who's so wildly uncoordinated going to do this that, you know, you, mm-hmm. I don't know how much like if people think it takes coordination or it doesn't. But to me, you like to stand still is coordination. Of, yeah. and it's
0: all timing and it's a skill. It's not yeah. luck.
2: Yeah, definitely not.
1: Yeah, if you're in the Olympics, you have to have some physical coordination, I'd imagine. Um, I, I think that also just plays to the audience, like, should we root for this guy? He He's so determined to be there, and we know that he may not be able to do it, but mm-hmm. you kind of just want to see him actually pull it off.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, there was never a moment where they did introduce that controversy in the script, over whether he as an athlete deserved to be part of it and i i'm glad that they included it but i found it striking that i never once didn't want him to be part of it i did root for him in this movie i did want him to go for all of the people who told him not to for all the creative ways he figured out to be able to go mm-hmm. uh the final straw when they changed the rules i thought that there i never lost hope that he would go I, never, I also never expected him to win, yeah. and I didn't need him to win. They, I was glad that they took the strategy of not making that the goal of the movie.
2: Did you like, um, so his storyline with Finn, mm-hmm. I actually, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, at first, I didn't quite understand it, especially when like, Finn doesn't want to give him the autograph mm-hmm. and so forth. But then at the end, when they're going up the elevator together, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was one of the strongest scenes in the movie. He's like, "Hey, you know, like everyone else, I respect you."
0: I think that scene, and I think there was like two other ones. I think they made the movie because mm-hmm. I think without that scene, that elevates what he does to like a winning level. Mm -hmm. the fact that you get that dialogue of this is as important you are as important as the first place like world record holder because of these qualities versus like the final whatever meters you jump like that scene allows the audience to feel like as long as he lands he's a winner Mm -hmm. You're never putting that pressure on your lead character that you have to win. That you have to be number one. That's not the bar that needs to be met in this movie. They set it up that it's just like doing your best and just showing them that you can do it. And that equals winning. And they set that up really nicely.
2: Mm -hmm. I agree. I thought it was really well done. Um, you know, and 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 the the character, the guy f- who plays Finn, Edwin, um, Andre, not very well known, but he's uh, he's in a TV series called Vikings, which has kind of taken off. At, oh at right yeah, seen so,
0: Vikings. So,
2: so yeah, I mean he's a young actor, so so hopefully we'll see more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the fun things, so kind of moving more towards Hugh Jackman. One of the things that I found interesting is that he hates smoking.
0: I'm not surprised at all.
2: But I don't
1: know why I'm not surprised at yeah, all, but I'm but not surprised movie, at all. But every movie
2: he's smoking, and it, obviously in this one yeah. he's smoking every single time. I
1: think it kind of just gives his characters that he plays like some ruggedness edge that you're like, he's kind of assimilates with the bad boy kind of persona. I feel like Hugh Jackman has like two personas. One is
0: like the badass persona, mm-hmm. which you're seeing like Wolverine, and I guess he embraces him in this movie. The other side is like I can be on Broadway and be better than all of you, like and he like like very like, like classic, in Cam, even though it's
2: not that good of a movie.
0: Like you know, more of like a the classic, like clean shaven, mm-hmm. light on his feet. He's the boy persona. From
2: well, uh, yeah, you know, I I did like him in this movie. Um, I thought I thought he did a good job, um, and obviously the, the two of them became really close friends because mm-hmm. of the you know the number of scenes that they did. And there's a great picture that we have um, of the two of them that Marissa found. Um, you know, so it was, it was interesting to to see. Um, this is more of a Hugh Jackman thing. It's not necessarily about this movie in particular, but one of the things that I found we all you know his career took off when he got X Men.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: But he was the last to be cast and, uh, you know, almost wasn't cast. And I found that to be just kind of an interesting fact about Hugh Jackman and and how he's just then embraced, you know, the roles that he's been a part of.
1: Oh, yeah. I think it's great because Hugh, he's such a likable person um, on screen. You love watching him and then a likable person off screen during all of his interviews and just how he interacts with his fans and whatnot. And he's always fun because, like, pretty much every character that he plays, as different as they are, they're all memorable. And and I think that's... Uh, Phil, well, half you, of them are
2: Wolverine. Cool. Yes. I, was well,
1: like, I was like, he owns Phil, like I, a we, comic book Phil, you and I, we've talked about Ben Stiller on Zootopia, but all of his dramatically different character roles Zoolander. that... it was, Zoolander? Yeah, Zoolander. Zoolander.
2: Zoolander. Zoolander.
1: Zoolander. not out Z- <laughs> I don't know if that was not obviously on my Zoos and zoos, there you go. Um, and Zoolander, that uh, whoever, whatever character that Ben Stiller portrays, they're all fun, memorable characters, and I think Hugh Jackman kind of has the same ability to have different types of characters and make them fun in his own, and no one else can really mimic what Hugh Jackman can do, and I, I think that just makes him a great actor in and of himself.
2: Yeah, and I think I think at this point, it, what's nice is that people figure out a way to play to his strengths right and you Mm -hmm. can say like drinking the bottle and and smoking cigarettes is a cliche thing but now it's also just a cliche thing for hugh jackman so they're gonna play that up Uh, Mm,
0: i'm not sure if i agree with that i think that i wanted a lit because to me that is wolverine hugh jackman thing
1: they're like it's different i don't know how to describe it and wolverine smokes cigars not cigarettes
2: Okay, technicality, mm-hmm. but but I did like, True. you know, I, I, I think all the things that they picked for him were good. Just even being uh, not cold, right? How he always just came out in his uh, in, in his um, shirt, right? Mm-hmm. And Never needing that jacket. And then eventually, when he oh, it is cold in Canada.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that because it also just showed his character that he really just doesn't care. He's in it. He has abilities um, and talent, but he really didn't care because he was just there.
2: Well, the the, I, and the the things that they chose for him to really care about, I thought worked really well because when um, Warren Sharp has those moments, and especially towards the end, that that TV moment, mm-hmm. um, he says, you know, he was my whatever biggest failure. That the fact that it hurt him so much, and you, the way that Hugh Jackman played it, I thought was really well done. Um, and to to an extent, I was also wondering how far they would go with this because you could see like. It was enough that you know he kind of proved Warren Sharp wrong in his own right, and I was wondering if they would have Warren come in. The fact that they did, I, I personally wanted to see. I'm sure if John Comfort was here, he'd be like, "You didn't need it," yeah. but I loved it.
0: I, I kind of needed it once I, when I once I saw his picture on the book. I was yeah. like, "He's he has to be in this movie. He's mm-hmm. going to be in this movie." right also Christopher or else It's just hilarious that they use his photo and don't put him in there.
1: <laughs> um, but. It's to that point I, I liked how they kept playing that storyline throughout the whole film and then we did get that resolution moment at the end for me though I felt like it wasn't enough it's like they hugged it out and that was it congratulations done I didn't think that was a big enough moment for me to feel okay it's like okay uh, Bronson is redeemed in a way I didn't really care he, about he that win. forgiveness from didn't his really coach care. It wasn't big enough for me.
2: You know, what? I mean, I didn't want it to be. If, if it was any bigger than what it was, I would have been like, "eh, nah, too cheesy."
1: Okay, I
2: don't know. That's mm. just me. That's just, but, um, but I thought I thought that again, Hugh Jackman did it well, and I actually appreciated uh, in, in terms of where they went. Him kind of. This is a part of the movie that you know you kind of have to agree with or disagree. Um, which is pretty interesting. The whole fact: should he go to the '88 Olympics or hold off? And I want to get you guys' take on it because I thought uh, Bronson's character, you know, that that was a correct perspective, you know. And to a degree, I think uh, you know, and one of the reasons why Eddie did have that whole um, final press conference was because he realized midway through competition that perhaps he is a joke and he is taking it as a joke.
0: I thought it was a very good point, like the very good point to actually. They they both have good points because number one, I think that if you put another year on training, if he improved that much in one year, think about how much he could do in the next. And most likely, at the track, at the the way that the British ski jumping team was going, it was he was might be the only one still. However, on the other hand, his argument that they could change the rules on him again to something he could just never meet is a very true thing. And as much as we say, oh, you could improve, we don't know how much that bar is. We don't know how much. Like, there, it is a sport of skill and practice and talent. And he proved that he has the...
2: couple of those. Yeah.
0: <laughs> practice. He has just enough. And, like, willingness to get hurt. But... Who knows if that would have really brought him any more glory the next year? And how this played out, I think he succeeded. So,
2: yeah,
1: We're, they made a movie about him. <laughs> yeah,
2: there you go.
1: The the one thing it did really like about Bronson did add to it because we had Eddie, who's never been to the Olympics, he has an idea of what it is, but again, essentially, he's just new to the whole world of the Olympics, and we had someone who was. Part of that world knows what he's going in for, so like I liked how he brought the knowledge, and pretty much warned Eddie and warned the audience: like this is what you're going into. Are you really prepared for that? You're not prepared physically, but are you prepared mentally mm-hmm. as well? So I think that was what Bronson really added to that story.
2: Yeah, and he, you know he said, uh, I, I when he tells Hugh Jackman he'd, he'd rather um, go and do this rather than be a drunken coward. I thought that was a strong line, and, and you know, obviously, the whole, maybe that's what made him switch the milk eventually.
1: Yeah. That, so. w- that was a great moment, because that, that hit hard. We were like, oh, snap.
2: And that's why, again, even though these things, you know, the drinking was cliche, they spoke to it. So I, I, I liked that it wasn't just like, oh, let's just give him we'll, to this to do just because we've seen it in every other movie. Um, I thought I thought that was nice. Um uh, you, you spoke of the mother. Um, you know, I, I thought she did a really good job. I, I love the mother.
1: Did- I, I, I loved how sweet she was and how consistent she was throughout. Because even as a young boy, she always showed uh, support giving him the ten k. Can be like this is where you put your medals in to and his even broken glasses, yeah. And his broken glasses gonna
0: come back again,
1: yeah. You and that even it. came back to when he actually did make it to the Olympics, like, oh hey, here it is. So it was she was consistent throughout the whole film, and I loved how she was always going against the husband, and uh, again, just being that strong foundation that Eddie had and support system that he needed,
2: absolutely. Um, is there any other uh, performance that really stood out to you, um, in particular, storyline that you guys want to discuss before we move on I to like the I like the
0: Norwegian muscular naked team.
2: Yeah, well, <laughs> I won't ask yeah. why. They're funny. Okay. Well, yeah. that's the reason, isn't it?
1: I, I liked that it, there was already a competition with Eddie from the beginning. Like, these are the people, this is a group that's so well-established and they're so talented together. Are you really at that high accolade of what they are? Obviously, no. Like, this is what you need to be to be in the Olympics.
2: Well, what I like, uh, you know, number one, we've seen that be a trope of these types of movies. But what I also liked, again, going back to uh, The Flying Finn and him, they were loners for the most part. You know, one's at the top of his field, one's... At the, the bottom, bottom. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, uh, the more success you get, yeah, the lonelier, lonelier it can be. But number one, because you have to block out all the noise and and, the, and just focus on what you're doing. You know, and those guys, yeah, they were training things like that, but you know, they were also drinking heavily. They were, you, you know, you could see that. It, again, it's not to say that friendship is bad. It's just in in this, you know, perhaps it could have been a hindrance, and we hear that a lot
1: in yeah. sports. And it wasn't just, you know, the Norwegian team. It was his own team. The, the mm-hmm. other British Olympians who got him drunk and who were already rooting against their own teammates and whatnot. Although
2: I did like the shot lineup of the Olympic, uh, yeah, the the, the Olympic
1: sign? The colors. Yes. The <laughs> Olympic logo in shot form?
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought that, that could be a great college drinking game. I love
1: it. Uh, but, again, it just showed, like, there were so many people already against Eddie.
2: Yeah. So, there we have it. So, let's let's move on to the real Eddie, and um, Zach, in the booth, if you will, Queue up, uh, there's a video that we have of the real Eddie, um, and of course, the language is not English, so <laughs> as we watch it, we'll watch that. Um, and just like with Race, what's nice about it is that it's uh, really quick.
1: It's so short.
2: Um, but what was your, kind of, as you guys did your research, what was the kind of more standout thing that you guys learned um, about Eddie versus what perhaps you saw in the movie?
1: I was just um, more surprised because we we got a a sense of it in the film that people weren't really taking well to him and not um, after his jumps. And I was just surprised, like, all the actual newspaper clippings and articles that were actually published against Eddie... And just people's strong opinions of he shouldn't be there I found surprisingly shocking.
2: Well, it is shocking because that's not the creed of the Olympics.
1: Exactly. It's not sportsmanlike. It's not. uh, The Olympics is about bringing people together and honoring people who have talent and putting them on a pedestal to actually, you know, praise them in a way and just acknowledge their talent. And this was, like, completely not sportsmanlike.
2: And with race in this this is the second movie that we've seen the Olympic Creed be kind of mentioned I, I should have remembered it by now but I haven't but it's it's about the participation of it mm-hmm. um, and I thought that it's not about
0: winning it's about
2: uh, the right to compete uh, or something mm-hmm. um, but anyway here we go um, let's play the video of uh, of Eddie the Eagle the real Eddie
0: Eddie with the glasses. And uh, like the pink goggles. Yeah. Hans
2: I like how they got a lot of the cinematography, you know, the same in terms of the angles and things like that, you know?
0: I thought it was interesting. Did you notice that on, uh, on the jump it didn't seem to have the tracks?
2: On this it's one? Un-
1: yeah. yeah.
0: But yay, no, like yeah, like in the yeah. movie we saw, there was always like, it seemed like there was like tracks that like kept your skis in, and in this movie it didn't really look like there were tracks, it looked more like just like a flat, like a
2: very steep, wide slope. Mm. Well, you know, to be fair, I don't know, every time I've seen a ski jump, I've never noticed there to be tracks, I was just, just thought that it was just...
0: Maybe they're uh, not, yeah, maybe, maybe it was snow. just in the practice ones?
2: I don't know.
1: Well, I don't know. Fortunately, I watch a lot of the Winter Olympics. I, I'm a big Olympic fan, so when they, uh, you know, when they show it in the actual Winter Olympics, yeah, there are pre-made tracks to keep people literally in a straight line while they go down. Um, maybe that particular video and that shot again, the video quality is not as best, um, to, and up to date as we have it now. So I, I believe it's there. Hmm.
0: One of the most interesting facts that I found wasn't as much about Eddie, but I just thought it was really. <laughs> Totally random fact was they interviewed um, some people about actual ski jumping and how that was portrayed in the film, mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting that the flying Finn was the one was one of the professionals real in real life that was known for his skis being wedged in a V as he took off. The uh, the V formation. Yes, as we saw in that picture, is how the the back tips are together while the front tips are angled out before landing. So as you fly, your skis are in like a V. However, during the actual 1988 Olympics, every every competitor back then was jumping in a parallel fashion, mm-hmm. so their skis looked just like an eleven. But when filling this, they didn't couldn't find people who were good enough to change their method of jumping because now V is more common to the eleven, so they all were still doing these because. But that was something that the flying fin was just known for.
2: Interesting.
0: Back in that time.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that'd be like. Um... Yeah, I'm right. just anyway. like a change of sport, like change technique
0: sport. changes and evolves so people can get better. And it's just funny that that like footwear sport has- to me
2: is the, the most progressive. Like if, it, seeing footwear of any sport from like the 1920s <laughs> to
1: now. <laughs> yeah, completely.
2: I would not want to play in, like boots.
1: No, I I like I found that interesting too because I, I remember reading that and it. But that really didn't take it away from the actual performances and the jumps. So
0: I just thought it was interesting because it's such. I feel like in the marketing, it's such an iconic picture. picture like that's it. what you yeah. think of is the skis, and to think that that's a picture because the sport has developed in such a way and changed that that's not even accurate was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm.
2: I agree. Um, Eddie, by the way, Eddie, um, I want to kind of still watch more and more stuff with, with the real Eddie, but he's just a fascinating person. I mean, he's just done, he, he came out with a book, he's done songs.
1: <laughs> he, he, uh, yeah, about his life, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. About him. Uh, he called it, uh, uh, It's he, he did like a Finnish song, which he doesn't speak uh, Finnish. You know, he, he just sets
0: his mind to things and does them. <laughs> Bravo.
2: But... It's funny because he doesn't speak Finnish. So he just did, uh, you know, uh, the song translated co- is called My Name Is E-2. E- Maybe
1: he has a
0: huge fan base in Finland.
2: You know, I've been flying fan. Maybe. Who knows? Um, you know, and then what was interesting, in 2011 he um, went to Slovenia with his family because the, 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 the mother and the father never really watched him actually jump. You know, which I thought the movie portrayed obviously really well. They were just so distanced away from him as he was going off and doing this um, that he just did a jump in Slovenia um, in 2011 f- uh, for the first time in, in a long time and made a promotional video called Eddie lands in Slovenia.
1: Very strange. <laughs> Very on,
2: on he just, the nose. He, he just... He just uh, I like him because he's just having fun with life. Yeah. So
1: I like him because it's he has a genuine personality.
2: Mm-hmm. That,
1: like, he didn't. He knew who he was. He didn't try so much to achieve the highest goal. He just did enough that what he set his mind to, he did it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which can be a lot more happier for anybody. All right, let's talk about uh, Dexter Fletcher, the director of this movie, um, who also, as we know, happens to be good friends with Matthew Vaughn. Um, interesting story here, too, because he was an actor. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And then made some really good films.
2: Uh, yeah, so you want to talk about that? Oh, I
0: don't, I, I don't have my notes on that
2: right now. He he was in
1: kick He's been in a lot. Misfits, Band of Brothers, big, big movies in those ways. Um, I, I, I don't really recall him as an actor, and I don't really know him, his style as a director. But I thought because he only
2: did one movie before the uh, uh, the movie he did he did in 2011 called Wild Bill, and it was Mm -hmm. nominated for a BAFTA award for outstanding debut by a British writer, director, or producer. Yeah,
1: BAFTA awards. I mean, BAFTA awards are big. Mm, Um, Yeah, those are high prestigious awards over in the UK. So uh, I enjoyed the direction of this film because I understood exactly where they were going for. They they hit certain emotional beats, and it was never overcomplicated here and there. It's just again, it's a simple story.
2: It it is, um, and in terms of what he said about why he chose to make the movie. I remember Eddie from back in 88. As a 22-year-old in UK, I remember we felt at the time that he was a bit of a joke, a bad joke. He was this English guy who came last and made us all look a bit silly. You know, that was the general consensus, really. Obviously, in some towns, people were very proud, but the rest of us throughout the country thought, oh, my God, who's this guy with glasses and underbite and red hair who comes last? (laughs) Um, So he was just kind of interested in the story and, and, you know, switching that perception of it, really. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys, um, he's a very religious person, um, and you know, many people have asked him about faith in this movie, and he gave a good answer, and I can read it to you if you guys want, but I never really understood... I never got that, that faith played too much into it. It was faith in yourself, but not like, oh, dear God. I
0: agree. I don't feel like this is a... What I would label a religious movie, in any way, I don't even I don't think it pushes any type of religion. I do think it pushes like being strong willed and being determined, and yes, as you said, having
1: faith in yourself. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I didn't see that either. Um, I think it's it's also just the the mentality of the the like you were saying strong willed, but it's setting goals and achieving them, mm-hmm. and I think that's a universal. Message that anyone who who likes can really relate to.
2: Indeed, I agree. So, um, <clears throat> in terms of the choice, you know, I mean, uh, there's so little about him as a director because he's so new. But um, anything else that you guys found fascinating, or like that tropes that the things that kind of made. What I didn't get out of this movie is um, there wasn't anything like he made. He served the story right. You know, it's meaning to say like if Quentin Tarantino made this movie, you'd be like, oh, that's a Quentin Tarantino movie. And I appreciate that. Um, It didn't have to be that, but he had great music selection.
1: That it did. I liked the the pacing of and showing just the overall journey of Eddie, from him as a kid, from him training, from him pre-training the Olympics where he had to make the circuits just to officially qualify. I liked how that in a sense that does take a long time but it never felt like it took too much it didn't it never got boring because we just kept watching eddie throughout this whole journey and it was still fun every single jump and tournament he was a part of
0: the only cinematic choice that i felt really stuck out to me um i think a lot of it was you know very um indistinguishable not a ton of directorial style but not in a bad way i think that film worked fine um but i did like the little bit of humor that they used in their um in like their captions or what they would write especially as the jumps were progressing It was just like not not there yet or not <laughs> yeah. qualified yet those little things i did i did enjoy putting into the film
2: I did like um I don't know whose ultimate decision it was, but Hugh Jackman going down that slope drunk and then flicking the the cigarette <laughs> just the way He was. And I, I don't know what it is. Um I just couldn't necessarily take and part of it is that he just himself didn't take himself seriously, but Hugh Jackman as, you know, just doing it and like flying and and the hands out and this and that is just so funny to me. To see.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. That was a fun moment. I think that also just showed and gave inspiration to Eddie. It's like, if this drunk guy can do it, so can I. Then, you know, the most unlikely guy who you think would never be able to jump again. It's like, I like how it really just kind of sparked Eddie. It's like, if he can do a 90 meter jump and not care, uh, so can I.
2: Well, part of it was he didn't care because he had nothing to really live for, but. Uh, so, in terms of the production, Marissa, I know you have a lot of facts on this. Um, I like that they shot in Germany and Austria. You yeah. You know, it's true to form of where they needed to be. But
1: and not in Calgary. Not in Calgary. <laughs> the, the fun place is that they actually filmed in the same location that Eddie himself, the real Eddie, trained 30 years ago for the Olympics. And um, so, a lot, a lot of the casting crew members actually, while they were filming, they had to go to... Again, like we said before, they they were at the top of every jump. But they had to bring all the casting crew up there and uh uh Taryn had to sit at the top, but the way that they filmed it, they had the shoulder literally over the over the shoulder shots so it would give the audience the sense of vertigo and just literally how far it is away from the ground. I liked how they filmed that. That was cool.
2: Yeah, I I thought distance-wise they made it look really scary throughout the every single one.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: Really nice job of like differentiating the heights Mm -hmm. and I thought that always, it it did feel really high which I think is a hard thing to sometimes capture on film and it's so easy to make things look easier than they are and I thought they embraced like the fear aspect in how they
2: filmed. And I think, you know, a lot of times this happens when when you look up at something and and you're like, ah, what's the big deal? It's not that high. Mm -hmm. So I thought they did a good job of capturing it small in that respect, but then when you got there, like, oh, no way am I doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I thought that played really well for them. Um,
1: yeah, and they, they filmed at uh, Pine Moon Studios, which is some big studios in the mm-hmm. UK, um, also there. And I believe the what, what was it? The Austria and where they filmed in Austria and Germany that were all the actual exterior location shots and anything that was Calgary. Was actually and the interiors was like UK.
2: <laughs> go go UK.
1: There you go.
2: So I thought I thought really good job. All right, um, music. Uh, Best be- part of
0: the movie. Fun. Just great. I loved it when so eighties,
1: so eighties. Especially when he was commuting back and forth between the circuits and going to different countries. And it was all eighties music, and I loved it. I just I just was like yes, we're gonna do some like. Jazzercise, <laughs> and like
0: it was. I just I didn't even care who it was singing it. I was like, I don't think I recognize any of these songs, but I recognize the feeling mm-hmm. of these songs, and I thought that it made it really improved this movie for me.
2: Which songs stood out to you the most?
0: I the thing is, I don't know what they're called because I didn't recognize them. Like I, I was like, I don't know these particular pop songs, but, but you I was know, like, uh, what I but want. it felt so well. Yeah, but yeah. it felt like. In general, they felt so familiar. It was more about the attitude that they brought mm-hmm. and like what I recalled from like how they're used in other movies, like 80s movies and whatnot, and what tone that brought to this movie. Mm-hmm.
1: The, the, there was a track, uh, forgive me, I don't remember which exact one, but when they were in the van traveling and there was an overhead shot of them uh, like kind of going into the foresty woods, whatever, it felt... That that type of song was definitely eighties, mm-hmm. and it, it just reminded me of like Saint Elmo's Fire, <laughs> and then, like with the horns and the, the the French horns and bugles that is so prominent in eighties music. Mm-hmm. I loved every second of it.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I thought that alone I think makes the film worth watching. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they did a wonderful job. Uh, the thing that I found interesting about kind of the release and the that this movie comes out later. Uh, for the UK. It doesn't come out until yeah. March 28th, which I thought, you know, we, we've seen a lot of times now movies get released um, other parts of the world but for the US, and especially where this is such a quintessential uh, UK movie, I thought for sure it would be released there before us.
1: Yeah, but, um, I mean, I understand that idea, but you gotta remember the Winter Olympics, if the Winter Olympics were on this year in 2016... It would be playing right now in February.
0: Yeah, but they knew that it wasn't going to be the winter. I, yeah, my problem and is this movie and race both didn't utilize like an Olympic release or Olympic marketing. It they to me it's a really strange time to put them out or really and they I don't think that they utilized that aspect. Well, or ra- race seven.
2: was a little bit different because that was like an anniversary, the 80th anniversary, Still, right?
0: Still, I. Don't think that either of them utilized the Olympics, and they could
1: have. Yeah, this is. So this one
2: say like, hey, in lieu of not having the Winter Olympics, watch this movie. Maybe to
1: to pump people up for the Olympics because this is an Olympic year. I'm very excited. Yeah, but that's not the winter
2: ones. Yeah, but
1: still, I think you can be like,
0: what is the Olympics about? And Mm -hmm. there is connection there. There is placement there. Like. Ads and where you can join things and it's already targeting your audience. Like to me, they didn't strike it well, and I think it's showing in how much they're doing in the box office, which isn't that strong.
2: Well, they didn't predict that much higher than they predicted um, between seven and nine million. To they came in at, uh, and it's
0: a twenty three budget.
2: Yeah,
1: it it's not great.
2: Mm, I, yeah, I'm not saying it is. I'm just.
1: And I think really the only draws are Hugh Jackman and maybe Christopher Walken. I mean, Taren, I don't think Taren's Christopher big. Walken was at all. Yeah, no, not really. But I, I mean, Taryn's becoming more big. Mm-hmm. But the story, again, Eddie the Eagle, this, it was just so pushed to the wayside so many times that no one's really going to remember Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. Unless they do it now. Is a. I'm. I'm not.
0: I can't. I can't praise the marketing strategy on this one.
2: I no. can't either. But the nice part is the the Simmons score is an A, um, which is that's that's really high.
0: That's, that's much higher than I thought. Pretty high.
2: Um, the the Rot- Rotten Tomatoes score is a 76, which is relatively that's high. decent. It's fresh.
1: Yeah, yeah that's decent. you know,
2: um, their kind of consensus of it all is Eddie the Eagles amiable sweetness can't disguise a story, mainly inspirational cliches, but for many viewers, it will be more than enough to make up for them. And yeah,
0: it's yeah, true. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with that. Well, both of you have said that you were inspired, weren't you?
2: Didn't you? It's not the it's, jump, but, you know, <laughs> no. something.
1: It's you so know, two out of three. Overcoming <laughs> people who are so against you and proving them wrong. I, I applaud that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, if it was my fully feel-good movie, there would have been a middle finger somewhere there. (laughs) Yes. But, you know what? I can respect that there wasn't. Um, You know, uh, it also did premiere um, as a surprise screening at Sundance this Mm -hmm. year. Um, I don't have more information than that. I was trying to dig it out in terms of how well it was received and whatnot. But it seems like it it did pretty well.
1: I'm pretty sure it was received decently well. It was received well by Eddie the... Eagle, the real Eddie, because he did a private screening with Taryn and, <laughs> which was uh, fun for Taryn, I'm sure but at the end of it, the, the real Eddie was crying out of happiness
2: Yeah. So. so if you get the approval of the guy you made the movie about, can you call it a good then, movie?
1: Yeah, call it a day
2: yeah, so alright, um, any other interesting fun tidbits as we, uh, as we wrap this movie out?
1: Um, well, we, we yeah we quickly mentioned that we three here on a panel didn't know, but uh, of this story, but Hugh Jackman did mm. um, because I guess Eddie the Eagle was like a folk um, hero story that he remembered growing up with, and even the director uh, Fletcher remembered who Eddie was back back in '88 when he was 22, um, and, and he remembered Eddie. So it is something that the I don't want to say older, older generation, but those who were around back then, Eddie did make a mark for a short amount of time and he you know, people remembered him. Um, we mentioned this has been compared to Cool Runnings. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are drawing
0: that reference and it is the Easter egg is that it's mentioned in the film on the radio. <laughs> that is part of it. I think everyone in my theater got it, but Yeah. In case you
1: missed it
2: it's there
1: i say we should watch cool runnings after this
2: uh well we'll <laughs> talk about that <laughs> um all right well thank you guys so much um for joining us if you haven't rated before please do so if you've rated and commented in the past um uh, let us know how we're doing we try- strive for constant improvement um if you're listening in on audio you can download um the photos and via the link. Um, the link also includes our entire rundown, so all the fun facts that, you know, um, what I like about it is that it has every every fact there, but then by listening to us, you kind of get our opinions about those facts. So it's it's been an interesting combination. Um, so just, again, in the description box, there's that link, whether on the YouTube side of it or on the audio side of it, just download it. Um, next week, we've got coming up um, Zootopia, which is yes. why Marissa mistook <laughs> Zoolander for I'm Zootopia very earlier, and um, and we'll uh, whiskey, th- whiskey
1: thing whiskey, whiskey tango, tango Fox foxtrot.
2: There you go, WTF. Uh, uh, so thank you guys for joining us yet on another edition of Anatomy of a Movie. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on this movie that inspire you. Were you upset that it isn't historically accurate? Um, whatever the case may be, we want to hear from you. Um, and thank you guys for being fans, um, whether new, old. Um, so on and so forth. Uh, we'll see you for the next dissection. Zootopia! <laughs> and what's the beginning of I'm I didn't even